This is Shannon. And this is Kamani. And we're for Drink with Blurs. And we have someone who hasn't been in, it's not a studio because we're not in person, but <laughs> been with us in almost three years. One of the OG supporters of Drink with Blurs through all the ups and downs and everything. Dr. Kiana, nurse. Mm-hmm. She's doctor now as well. Make sure you put some things <laughs> Some respect okay, on it. Know. It still feels still feels fresh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not real. Like we didn't no, yeah. graduation. Like we didn't do nothing. Yeah, that's a whole other topic though. <laughs> 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 Get me started. <laughs> when they sent out that survey, like, when do you want your graduation? I was like, let's let it let's let it go. Let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Not be the let, same. let me let me grieve. <laughs> the rest of my life let me just understand that this moment i've been working my entire education no life towards is ruined yeah you've been planning a wedding since you were like two and everything was going according to plan and poof it just gets messed up that's the closest thing i can think of that's true because you know in these wedding contracts they do the only thing that gets you out of it when you put the deposit down is an act of god (laughs) and they and they phrase it like that explicitly so but otherwise how are you how's everything been um everything's been fine you know just trying to figure out post phd life and uh you know yeah just existing Not yes. quite thriving, just existing. <laughs> well, that's all of us <laughs> in certain aspects. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Shannon, how are you? I'm good. Same old. Um, you know, I'm always looking for another job. I feel like when I look for another job, shit always comes up. I'm like, you know what? The shit comes up, I'm going to act like it didn't even happen. <laughs> so I'm really pushing to get out of here. We should really do an episode about this whole res- great resignation thing because yeah. so many people are like changing careers. So many careers are like falling asleep at the wheel and like floundering and doing everything <laughs> wrong. Um, I'm interested to see where it will go, but I think that's something we should keep in mind for like the future. Yeah, I am considering a career change, so yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the pandemic has really put into perspective for a lot of people. Just you know, fuck that job energy. <laughs> yeah, what like? <laughs> I think this kind of leads into like our main topic because I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, celebrities were doing stupid stuff like I'm at singing Imagine and like <laughs> J Lo's like I'm J Lo Ellen and we're like I'm bored in my multi million dollar house, and it's like, ma'am, there are people that are five families living in a one bedroom together in New York, yeah. all work just at Starbucks or at a grocery mm-hmm. You are fine. So like, how do you think like the pandemic has just like shifted our perspective of celebrities of these people that for so long, like they haven't been unchallenged, but they kind of like were reified in our society. Do you think like, yeah. anything for that? Like our perspective? Of um, yeah, no, I definitely feel like the pandemic has, um, in a way because of how hyper visible they are, especially on social media. Like before the pandemic, we all knew this and we all, you know, like follow them on Instagram and like 
the images I felt like they put out were aspirational for a lot of people. And it felt like you could aspire to be whatever it was that they were putting out, whether that be like getting wealth or aesthetically, you know, mimicking what they were doing. But when we're all sitting at home, um, people around us are dying. And, you know, a lot of people losing their jobs. And so suddenly that aspiration feels very out of reach. And I feel like that's made people a lot more critical around just like things that celebrities are doing and also influencers as well. I think, and Chanel, what do you think about this? Like the celebrities were just kind of like, for lack of a better words, like out of touch with everything else that was going on. Um, early pandemic, they were the ones to get the test when no no tests were available. Like, mm-hmm. like they were not like feeling any symptoms, but they got tests. Um, of course, like we can only speculate. We didn't hear about the vaccine. Only the test thing was like a big thing. And I think a lot of people were just kind of like tired of it because at this moment where our society's in like this major crisis, Gal Gadot and them are like trying to sing Imagine to us, like, oh, hold on. It's like, ma'am, like, we're the, like, dying. Right. People that are essential workers. (laughs) People are dying. What are you saying, Shannon? The people are dying, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. Exactly. It's just like, no, all my friends, I'm going to take them to a private island so we can celebrate my birthday. Right. And it's just like this, the callousness, the out-of-touchness, the fact that it was just, for them, it was like this big hamper on their freedoms. And I guess in some ways, we kind of see how that trickles down and continues. But I'm really interested in how this kind of connects to what we're talking about today. We alluded to this in the last episode, but uh, who wants to like cue it up? Shannon, do you want to talk about what we're talking Like the issue? Um. Well... Beyonce had recently done a campaign with Tiffany and Company on um, a diamond that has been part of their legacy for uh, how many years, I guess, from the beginning. I don't know the complete history of the diamond, but um, I guess upon research with other people looking into this diamond, turns out that it's a blood diamond and it's causing a lot of outrage because this is coming from Beyonce, who... You know, she's like the pro-Black person, but it's just also contradicting seeing that she's wearing this blood diamond. So, how I feel about it, I just feel like she knew. From a person who's seen everything that she has accomplished and performed, and she said she researched this, she's been to different countries to, to absorb information, and it's just like, you will wear this because of why? Just to be the first? Is it a good deal you're getting like cut out of this? Like what like what is it? You know? And I feel like this would be a good time for Beyonce to actually speak up on this. Like, you know how quiet she'd be. She's not going to. I know. She's already posted. Nope. 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 For her to explain everything. After like the whole outcry, she posted another one of the Tiffany photos. Like fuck y'all. Well, it, that's how I read it essentially. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's the billionaire class showing you who they are. 
<laughs> See, listen, y'all are, we are all, all three of us are going to get dragged on Twitter by the Beehive after this episode comes out. Take the rest of my hairs. Listen, <laughs> I will say this. I like Beyonce before, and it, most of these Beehive people were born. I liked her back to 1998. <laughs> when, like, Destiny's Child had four members, and they were just trying to put Michelle thing. So, oh. come, like, I'm, no, like, I think this whole reference for celebrities that started to collapse in the pandemic, like, for most part of it, Beyonce has kind of been one of the few untouched people who hasn't gotten as much critique as, like, people have thrown critiques at her for years, like, for Ivy Park and things of that nature. Um, even, like, a lot of African fans from the continent were critiquing Black is King and Spirit, well, like the Lion King album, because they basically said like it like really essentialized Africa. It just like took all these different aspects of it and like made it to this conglomerate without really un- understanding or explaining the different cultures. Also, some people from like East and South were saying it just focused, or more so like East Africa were saying there were not any East African artists featured on the album, or it was like mainly like West African artists. So like there were all these critiques that were coming in the diaspora and people were like, oh, just stop it, stop it, stop it. You know how they get. But Kiana, what do you think about this whole, like what are your initial like reactions to this whole diamond thing? Um, Like when you this and you heard the information that it was like, oh, only five people have worn it and Beyonce is like the first. And then the information that came out about how it was acquired from a diamond mine in South Africa during the late 1800s, where we know as historians, the British are ramping up their campaign to colonize South Africa. Um, and this is being done by black labor. What, like, what were your initial reactions? I mean, I wasn't surprised, quite frankly. I was like, this feels very on brand um, because I think that you know, while we can talk about Beyonce, Jay-Z is also equally culpable. And I think it's yes. interesting that at least how I've been seeing the conversation yeah. on social media, not enough people have been talking about him and they've just been focusing on Beyonce and that maybe because she's wearing the diamond, but, you know, Massage Noir also is part of yes, this. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, I think it's just part of their brand. They're very adept at manipulating the imagery of Black liberation and Black history and completely decontextualizing it to suit their own ends, which is like to prop up a black bourgeoisie that like by its very definition is always gonna be exclusive, like um, exclusionary and like is not actually accessible to most black people despite the fact that they're selling like an aspiration, whether that be in terms of wealth, whether that be in terms of beauty, whether that be in terms of romance, like they are quote unquote couple goals. And I'm just kind of like, Fascinating, fascinating. So yeah, when I saw it, I wasn't at all surprised. I was like, this makes sense given like, you know, Beyonce in the Super Bowl and using the Black Panther imagery. Yeah. This makes sense after Black is King. This makes sense as Jay-Z has, has not at all hid the fact that he's like a Black capitalist through and through. <laughs> like, not at all. So all of this feels very much on brand. Um, and I just also wonder about the use of the Basquiat image as well. of like why he's, like latched on to Basquiat specifically, because this is like a multi-year thing, like interest that he's taking out. And I'm like, what does it mean that this this art is now been transformed into an advertisement? Um, and it's not like, 
advertising to black people because most black people cannot afford i mean maybe jay-z and beyonce and rihanna they're like the only black people that can afford <laughs> this diamond that she's wearing so i'm like really who is this ad even for mm-hmm. right and I, I'm so grateful you brought up Basquiat and Jay-Z because he has like the hair, there's like the painting. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like this whole black, like upper, like bourgeoisie, like like black billionaire class of like imagery. And for those that don't know, Basquiat was an Afro-Puerto Rican Haitian artist from New York. Like he's Puerto Rican and Haitian, I think, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. But he was very devoutly anti-capitalist. He was kind of like sought after by art like dealers because of his artwork. Um, and I'm not gonna like I have a friend that could go more into detail about what his art meant. But over the years, like what happens when black artists die or white like art dealers see their art as important, it goes up in price and it becomes real expensive. So it's not as accessible to like black people or the black people he's representing in his artwork. And I think, just like you said, Keanu, this started like a few years ago with Jay-Z in terms of trying to like convey the imagery of Basquiat or using it and thinking of it like that. And I think in some part it's related to like this New York like aesthetic to him, like oh, mm-hmm. similar places. Um, but also it is, there's this other side of it that the art is inaccessible by most Black people, by most people. And for Jay-Z to kind of have the money to get it, I think that also says something about his class now. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And it's ironic because like, from my understanding, Basquiat started off as like a graffiti street artist. So like, that's by definition art that's made for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so then oh, over the years, it's become this very... Um, exclusive thing as it's been absorbed into like bougie art world circles yes yeah and i think like if you don't know the history of his art in particular that kind of gets lost um because it's like oh jay-z with his hair and that painting in the background but if you don't if you know some of the history you can see why like the jay-z part is really kind of like also very fucked up in terms of like mm-hmm. being this artist who was very anti-capitalist in terms of, and also making art for people um, and making it this exclusionary thing of like wealth and privilege. Um, I think so that might be one reason, not to excuse the misogynoir, but that's one reason why people aren't necessarily getting on him as much, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one reason the Tiffany Diamond is kind of like really prominent is people can say it was, digged up in this mine in South Africa. Um, and of course, because Beyonce is wearing it, like you were saying, they attach him more to her versus like this mm-hmm. that's on the back wall. Um, I think that kind of says something too. Um, but why do you think, I don't know. I don't necessarily know what it takes this conversation after that. Cause I think you like laid it out really well. But why do you think so many people why do you think it's kind of split so why do you think like there's some people that are like beyonce this is fucked up we're fans but you can't do this but why do you think so many other people are kind of counteracting and saying like oh she's showing like she's richer than you all and blah 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 blah. why do you think there's like this big divide in terms of like the beehive or people that are fans um i mean in terms of black people i think it's 
it's a a divide between people who really resonate with again all of the imagery of like a black cultural tradition that's very present in Beyonce's later work and there's a lot of value to it for sure so I don't I don't even mean to say that we should that Beyonce should be canceled or that we shouldn't engage with her because I think that you know some of the things that she's done like they're very rich you know musical pieces or music videos so I think that resonates with a lot of us but also those same people like maybe have more leftist politics. So like once we start peeling back the layers, it's like, oh, this is a little sus. Um, but I think it's also equally the case that people, there's this weird cross section of people who are both pro-black and pro-capitalist. They're black capitalists. And uh, Beyonce like is able to really tap into that demographic really, really well, JC too. And so I think it's like just a clash of, um, you know, the black leftists and the black capitalists in a lot of ways. And because we don't really know how to have, I think, a thoughtful conversation of class politics within black spaces, because race is such an overdetermining construct in the U.S. It's like, oh, that's the thing we're going to focus on. And it's like, no, that's not the only thing that we should be focusing on, like, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z's experience of Blackness, let's say, is totally, totally, totally different. And in some ways feels even incomprehensible to me because of the fact that they're billionaires. Like they live in a completely different reality. And I don't think that people want to really sit in that because they're Black. So it's like, oh, you know, and I'm like, not all skin folk are your kinfolk. <laughs> they're, they're billionaires. Literally. They're not kinfolk. Literally. And I think... Well, first, I want to say, like, we, they have not been recorded as billionaires officially. But I feel like it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Like, just in terms of how sure. they do it. I'm pretty sure it's by now. No, because, like, Rihanna beat them, and they were both, like, we're familiar together. I don't know. I just felt like they were a billion at least, billionaires at least, before. Mm-hmm. I just haven't reported it in the way that Rihanna did. Um, yeah, but Rihanna, she's one... 1.7 billion. So she's pretty close to two. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... Fenty is uh, racking up <laughs> racking up all the things. As I used Fenty this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to try that deadline. I really do. I like, I like this. I want to grow. I, I like it. I'm like, okay, this is easy. It's a pretty, sim- pretty simple system. Um, but this... So... The African, like, like people from South Africa in particular, were talking about this diamond. And like I was saying, it comes from the diamond mines. And for those of you that don't know, essentially, diamond mines, gold mines, the mines in South Africa that are during colonial period and like during apartheid are very exploitative. I won't say slavery per se, because I don't think they were enslaved, but very exploitative of African people and the indigenous people of South Africa to make wealth for the British and the um, the Dutch settlers, so to speak. Um, and of course, I'm like truncating it a lot. So mm-hmm. Tiffany, what does it mean, Kiana, like for Tiffany, this company, this big brand that people like, oh, like breakfast at Tiffany's and things of that nature, that has like this kind of big cultural resonance for Tiffany, the company to kind of have this diamond. I think like some people were like, 
Don't be mad at Beyonce. Be mad at Tiffany because they were like, they owned the diamond. What do you think the connection is between Tiffany and as a U.S. company? Is it U.S.? I don't know. Tiffany has this major corporation that has like this big reputation and the history of colonialism that is kind of like in the, sh- the closet, in the shadows. Um, there's a lot of different parts to that question. And I think that sometimes I get really frustrated whenever we're talking about Black wealth, especially at this level, because the response from a lot of people is like, well, we should be holding like white billionaires accountable or like focusing more on them. And again, like, don't be mad at Beyonce, be mad at Tiffany because they have the diamond. And it's like, I mean, no, <laughs> like as if we can't do both of those things at the same time, first of all. Um, and as if, as if, if we're realistic, I mean, who has more brand recognition, Tiffany's or Beyonce? Period. Like across, across various generations. Period. I would actually say Beyonce exactly. has more brand recognition than Tiffany. So Tiffany's not doing Beyonce a favor by like allowing her quote unquote to be in this campaign. Like if anything, Beyonce is making Tiffany a lot more relevant. Yeah. And not, I don't want to say like opening up a customer base because again, it's like most people cannot afford Tiffany, right? So it's like just making it more of a household name than it perhaps has been, or at least opening up to different generations and a different demographic of people so that it does have a new kind of level of brand recognition. Um, and I think that it's just an interesting phenomenon that we're going to see more and more and more of, but we've you know, seen it historically. I like now this intersection of like, I don't know, I guess Beyonce to me represents like black neoliberal feminism. Where again, it's like all of these aspirational images that she's putting up that people, I don't know if because they don't have like a clear sense of how the world works, which sounds like kind of an asshole thing to say, but I'm like, none of us are ever going to be Beyonce. Like, that's just not how the numbers are set up. Like, I'm never going to be a billionaire. You're never going to be a billionaire. Shannon, are you going to be a billionaire ever? Let's hope I make a million. (laughs) Like, I I probably, if you put together how much money in my entire life, maybe, maybe I'll make a million dollars over the course (laughs) of like a 75-year life expectancy type of thing. But I just, so again, it's like we're absorbing all of these images in a context of like, Black Lives Matter in a context of even, I don't want to like, you know, have a flat portrayal of like the Me Too movement, but like putting conversations around feminism more in the mainstream. So again, it's like all of these images of things without really delving into like what they actually call for in terms of structural changes, which is why someone like Beyonce is able and Jay-Z, they're able to, in, in a way, like manipulate all of these images to their own benefit. And so that's why I think, again, when we see these, this image of Beyonce and this diamond, like we're not really putting this into perspective of what it means for a Black American woman to be donning this, who's like, I mean, allegedly a billionaire, but let's just say a billionaire, um, with this blood diamond that's like tied to European colonialism. Because again, I also think that there's a kind of ignorance among a lot of Black Americans around our national identity and how that is situated to like other Black people in the diaspora and how the things that we do exploit and harm other Black people in other parts of the world because of our identity as Americans. So that's also part of the conversation that I feel that people 
don't like to have when they are talking about Beyonce. That's that part of it is just kind of missed. Yeah, and like I'm really coming back to that because I think your phrase black neoliberal or black was a black neoliberal black, fe- feminism. Black, yeah, black neoliberal feminism. Like I think that was like a perfect kind of way of encapsulating it. Can you explain what you mean by that for some of our listeners? Like when you say that black neoliberal feminism, what what does that break down to? Because some people hear neoliberal and they don't really know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I I guess when I think of black neoliberal feminism, I think of the, the intersection of black capitalism and neoliberal feminism. So black capitalism being the idea that black people, people of African descent can um, successfully participate in capitalism as capitalists, that's the key point. So like, you know, owning needs of production and somehow this is going to be the path to liberation or like solving racial injustice um, once there's more, you know, black ownership. And it's a real refusal to acknowledge how capitalism as a system always requires some kind of exploited underclass. And it may not be your kind of black person, but it's another kind of black person because that's just how it functions as a system. So I feel like black capitalism has yet to kind of really grapple with that problem. So that, but then also neoliberal feminism. So again, this idea that um, your individual will as a person or like different choices that you make as an individual can supersede patriarchy or if you just take a seat at the man's table and like show up as a girl boss then then you yourself can undo patriarchy in like in some capacity and again it's not taking stock of like structurally how things are set up to privilege certain women over others that actually just perpetuates patriarchy at the end of the day and so I think what both of those things have in common is again this really you know, nefarious use of images to get us to believe that this is change, this is progress, when really it's just a mutation of um, of capitalism and imperialism and, and anti-Black racism in a lot of different ways. So, you know, it doesn't really mean much to me, at least when I look at Beyonce and they're like, oh, she's the first Black woman to wear this. And I'm like, this is grotesque. Like, this is really, like, that doesn't do anything to me. Yeah. The fact that they're Black billionaires also doesn't do anything for me. Like, suddenly you put Black in front of it, they're like, oh, it's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally everything. Oh, they're Black. Pups. There you oh, go. We can't criticize them. Like, it happened yeah. with Rihanna, people are like, oh. Uh, and it's like, well, no, she's a billionaire. It's the same principle. Just because they're black doesn't mean that they're re- beyond reproach. Um, yeah, billionaire. And that's yeah, and that's again the like the really um, thing that I think people miss about both of these things: black capitalism and neoliberal feminism. Is that they get you to believe that you can do things as an individual, or you can aspire to certain things as an individual um, without really taking stock of any kind of structural change or demanding any kind of structural change. And so it's like, you know, yeah, it's girl boss energy, but make it black. Exactly. (laughs) And I think it's really like great that you brought this up and talk about like the larger implications because Shannon and I are uh, not like not black American. And it will probably come off as wrong if we say like, oh, like it's important for people to understand how American imperialism enables the abuse of other Black people within the diaspora. 
in a variety of ways. So like we can't even, like we like I think in the last episode we talked about just in terms of sports and rivalry, what like just how that kind of connects to US imperialism. But to specifically kind of boil it down to this diamond, which was based in like exploiting black labor in South Africa, became South Africa. And then to have it on the neck of a prominent black woman, a black American woman who created this big album, this big like rollout from Disney saying like black is king, celebrating Africa, celebrating African artists. And then to do this, it's like, well, you're black and proud. Like when I saw it, it was like, you're black and proud, but you're wearing something that was literally made by exploiting black labor and black people. Like there's a major disconnect there. And, and I think you like really laid out like really, of course, eloquently and succinctly of like why this is such a problem, but it is kind of like very intentional. Um, like, like Shannon, like you said, Beyonce knew. Like she researched all the stuff before. She researched the stuff that she does. She has to put her name on anything without mm-hmm. like, like without proper research. Exactly. So for her Are to you, just like, like what, what, like what happened? Exactly. Like you can't say like, oh, it was her staff or it was Tiffany. Like we know Beyonce has said this numerous times on at the few interviews she's done recently to the Homecoming documentary. She is very meticulous about everything she get she does. So how did you not think it would be yeah. you know, to put on this? Daisy too. <laughs> Daisy, he is like, calculating. He is, he is very, very, yeah, very Oh, buy back the block. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But then you have all these he people does buying not, back. He does not do anything that's not going to make him double what he put in. Exactly. Like NFL. Like Kaepernick was like, oh, that's we're moving on beyond that. Like all this stuff. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wonder. If they'll do, I mean, I don't think they will, but it would be interesting if they did interviews talking about the decision to do this because part of me feels like there is going to be some interesting mental gymnastics around like a narrative of progress of like we recognize the history of this and we're like changing it into something else, which is why part of the campaign is also Beyonce. I think she's doing a re, like she's doing a cover of um, Blue River or Blue, whatever that song is that Audrey Hepburn sang in breakfast at Tiffany's and so it's almost like they're kind of inserting themselves into this important cultural like pop cultural moment in the United States to be like now we're making it black which is Mm. a sign of how much progress we've made and I do think that those narratives around progress allow rich black people to get away with so much stuff and it's just I'm like no, I think that's that's so accurate because even if you think about how we interact with rich black people on the day to day or thinking about people that go to the vineyard um, and things of that nature, they kind of are seen as like the thing, like you were saying earlier, like the thing to aspire to for all other black people. And I was actually talking about this with my therapist today about like just the nature of capitalism and how it descends from like Calvinist Calvinism and saying like, oh, poor people are not going to make it into heaven because they're inferior unless they work really hard. And capitalism as by proxy tells us, if you are not rich, you are less worthy, less worthy. And therefore the only way you can kind of prove your worth to the system is to work really hard and hope to make enough money to kind of like change your station in life. And I think so often like with black bourgeoisie people, black millionaires and especially the billionaires, 
they are kind of held up as like the standard by white capitalists, white billionaires, by the system as at large and say, see, the rest of you that are complaining that the system is unequal, what are you talking about? And this is literally what they use all the time. Look at the Oprah's, mm-hmm. look at the Beyonce's. They came from the same thing as you. And like, like I don't have details, but I don't think Beyonce is coming from the same exact things. And Jay-Z neither, like in terms mm-hmm. of how he was able to be a success and specifically how the success was built at the beginning. It's, they're used as like, these exceptions, these few people that make it through are used as the kind of um, carrot. I hate to use like that term, but like they're kind of held up on this pedestal and kind of used to kind of stop the rest of us from saying the system is rigged, which it is. Yeah. It's literally how capital. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. And that's neoliberalism at work, right? To say that if you as an, look at what these individuals did, they like won the game of capitalism. So if they can do it as individuals, you can do it as well. And no one seems to really ask the, or no, people ask the question, but it's like, why is it only a couple of them though? (laughs) Instead of propping them up, it's like, oh, I need to follow this example. It's like, well, if there are a thousand of us and only one person made it, maybe something is wrong with like the system instead of that one person being exceptional. Like, obviously, I don't know. I don't necessarily know where to go from this, but how do you think we wake people up to, like, these larger issues of neoliberalism and how, like, certain Black people, Black capitalists are manipulating imagery to kind of get us to buy into it or to kind of ignore the implications of like larger US like US imperialism on US imperialism on other black populations. Yeah, that's a tough question with the beehive in existence. I'm not sure. And actually I I like I don't know how I want to read a book that explains to me in very clear terms like how the beehive emerged, how it's related to like social media. Uh, I feel like it's probably related to stand culture in some in like a large capacity, actually. Um, and just again, like reverence is such a good word because I feel like some people or a lot of people, you know, they believe more in Beyonce than they do like Jesus Christ, which is like you know all well and good, but it's like I can't fathom a living person ascending to that level of like as a deity, like a living deity. Yeah. And it's bizarre, like it is so bizarre. And so I wonder also, you know, <laughs> this reminds me, you know, back when we were in grad school and studying like populist leaders. And, <laughs> and it's like, the idea is to really study why certain people resonate with large groups of people rather than focusing on the charismatic leader. And so like, yeah, we can have a conversation about Beyonce as the brand and everything that she puts out. But like, what is it about the images that she puts out that resonate with so many people? And I think that, I don't know, maybe we're just really truly starved for a, for like particular images of black femininity that are simultaneously like, you know, sexual and desirable by everyone, um, but also, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to say classy because that feels very like, but I can't quite think of a different word. Like Beyonce is just able to, like the image of her does so much for black women, right? And so I think it's so hard for people to kind of 
like see past that at, and to get at some of the structural things that are at play here because they're so you know enamored with the things that she represents for black femininity that we haven't seen before. I think that's like I agree with that. I agree oh, yeah. with that. What were you saying, Shayla? I said no, I was saying that I agree with um that we do have a lack of like black female, black female, black woman images. Like who would you say you will go to other than Beyonce? I have people like Megan Thee Stallion. People say Cardi B. I'm, and I have my issues with both. But I feel like the most pure you could get is Beyonce. But there's just so much little holes and things that just bothers me as well. And, and some people are just such big stands that just don't see it. Yeah. I think it's honestly like a respectability politics thing at its core. So what does it mean to have this image of a Black woman, again, who is super desirable by everybody, but also is still able to be respectable? And I think, yeah. like the other examples you gave, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion don't have the same degree of respectability as they are occupying their sexuality in the way that Beyonce does. And I don't think any, I mean, maybe Rihanna's getting there or is there as well, but we don't have a lot of images of like, respectable black female sexuality and i'm putting quotes around that because like it really doesn't need to be respectable because like respectability just means like making white people comfortable and exactly. fuck that but um i think that's what beyonce taps into for a lot of uh people and for black women particularly like a lot of a lot of us still want that still aspire to that to like be able to to exist in a full way that Beyonce represents, um, and it's 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 you know so that's why it's like Beyonce we can't entirely cancel her because she does represent um, a lack of something that we're all yearning for. But at the same time, it's like she's able to capitalize on it, and I use that word very intentionally. Yeah, so she's also a wife. She's a mother, you know, and I feel like both of those things again create this veneer of respectability around her sexuality and it's so interesting because before she had blue it like even still after she had blue like her whole people criticized her because of her being too sexy right and like how sexual she was and how it like contributed to negative stereotypes about black women but at the same time i think like there's a generation that kind of emerged that appreciated that, like you were saying, like that appreciates her sexuality and how sexy she is and how desirable she is. But then like she's invited to sing at the White House and sing at the inauguration um, twice, for, like in 2008 and then again in 2012, um, 2009, 2012 or 13, whatever. She's able to like enter these spheres with like the Obamas and presidents and things of that nature. Whereas like Cardi B and Bank the Stallion, may, yeah, they might do like a stop. Like, or do like a little talk on Instagram with Bernie Sanders, but it's not to the same degree. Like, they're not around the same types of people. Um, Beyonce's like performing, like, the whole controversy of her performing for some Saudi prince, like, that happened like years ago and things of that nature. Like, she's in a different echelon of society that a lot of like the other girls that are like getting into music want to get to. 
And I think the Beehive, like, because of what she represents, this kind of escape from, like, the system that we are all trapped under. Like, so many people, like, buy into, like, oh, look at her. She's able to escape. And she works so hard, and she's, like, so devoted to her craft. I'm going to do take that energy and apply it to my work. And I'll be one day able to achieve that. Um, and I think, like, the idea of, like, working hard to improve your craft is something that we can commend across the board. But it's yeah. working hard to improve your cla- craft so you can change classes and be better than other people. That's the problem, right? Because it's like, oh, I yeah. need to elevate myself and get to a new class versus the system. Why are we have these classes in the first place? Like, why are we, why do they have to get everything and we don't have anything down here? Like, I think that's yeah. the connect that I see. Like, it's, and it's not just beehive people. It's not just barbs or people like that. It's society as a whole because of how indoctrinated capitalism is into our modern society. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, Beyonce is a Virgo, so she works very hard. And, you know, she, she is your birthday, birthday mate. She is my birthday mate. Um, so I've tried to harness that energy for sure. And, you know, the sad reality is that, you know, another reason why you can work as hard as Beyonce works, but she's still not going to be Beyonce, is because, again, this refusal to acknowledge all of these larger um, macro things that are outside of your control, including colorism, right? Because it's not a coincidence to me that Beyonce looks the way that she looks, right? Um, And is able to kind of inhabit a kind of desirability because of that. And even just kind of like the controversy over the years of how she's manipulated her image. And like in some instances, she appears like very fair skin, like fair in her music videos or, you know, images and then with straight hair. So I'm just like, again, we just need to situate Beyonce to understand her as reflective of different cultural things happening rather than an aspirational example of an individual to follow because we as individuals could become that as well. Like it's, it's no, Beyonce is a generational mirror, but she's not an example to be followed necessarily because you're not going to get the same outcomes. <laughs> like it's like expectation versus reality type of project. No, I think that like, she's like a, if you were like a, a marketer or someone, she is like this perfect, and I hate to think about her as like a commodity, as like a marketable thing, but in terms of like what she kind of represents as a light-skinned Black woman, light-skinned Black American woman who's from Houston, who could tap into like this, like what she did for formation, like this Alabama, like Southern culture um, and like Cajun, like even with her mother, like mother's people like Creole, I think. Um, tap into like that Southern heritage who is sophisticated, who can hang with the Obamas, who can, whose orig- origins in the 90s, she has like a more urban sound with Destiny's Child in the first album. Um, she taps on these like different things, but she could belt, she could do all these, like she's just like multifaceted in so many ways that she speaks to, a, at this point, so many different people and you can like market her to the white gays, you can market her to the black gays, you can market her to to black women, um, you can market her to like straight black men who desire her in that sense, um, sexually. Um, and I think that allows her 
the freedom. I mean, like we're talking about Beyonce, but I think we could also like pull back and think about Jay Z and how it differs. But like she has like this, she has more ways that she can kind of connect to people, um, mm-hmm. and I think that allows her to kind of like, oh, we can take these aesthetics, or she when she uses these aesthetics and takes them from Africa and like the various cultures in Africa, and people kind of like really buy into that and buy into what she's selling. But then when she wears this diamond, people will excuse it because, oh, it's not Beyonce's fault because of everything Beyonce represents to these various groups. Yeah. And don't even oh. give me this. Oh, sorry, Shannon. You were going to say something. I have, a, like, a question because it's just like, okay, here's my business mind at work. So if we look at Beyonce as a business and the brand that she is and just look at just the business side of things. And Kamani, you know, I always say being Black is trendy. I've been saying that for a while. Do you think that Beyonce has taken advantage of the fact that we are trendy right now with, you know, I felt like this has started since um, the passing of Trayvon Martin and it's just gotten this this whole big black power, pro-black, black lives matter thing. Do you all think that maybe she took an advantage of this a little bit? Yes, and I have a proof. Because Harry Belafonte, when Trayvon passed, when Trayvon was killed and murdered, he called Jay-Z and Beyonce out specifically saying they need to do more for the Black community in regards to criminal justice and justice in general. They responded by releasing a list of all, and this is what turned me off at the moment. They responded by releasing a list of all the organizations they donate their money to. Harry Belafonte responded, no, I'm not talking about you giving money. I'm talking about you actually putting your, your amount, like, your, like more than just your money, like getting involved in the struggle because he would like buy buses to people like for the Freedom Rides and things like that. Like he would get involved during the civil rights movement um, as one of the premier like black celebrities at the time. So he was calling them out to like do more than just throw money at a problem, um, but to actually like have a stake in this conversation because they are black, they are in America, and while they might be richer than like any of us can ever hope to dream, racism affects them too. And if racism is affecting their fans, that's something they should care about. Uh, I think after that is after like he critiques her, like the self-titled album comes out. But then when Lemonade, like Formation and Lemonade starts coming out, you really see how like people are like oh Beyonce, like the whole SNL sketch, like Beyonce is black now. And we have to like, oh my gosh, I didn't know she was black. Um, and how like, um, See, me- this is where I would question the intentions. Like as you bring it up, and I think now looking at everything, like yes, I I think it's fair to like question it because yeah, it's fair to question it. I think we have I like, caveat like yes, we know Beyonce's black, and she can express her black culture and like how how she views black. Blackness, but at the same time, it can be skeptical. Yeah, and I mean, because I was gonna say, I think I agree with like Shannon. The reason why you asked that question, <laughs> but I also think like a generous interpretation is a lot of us. I would say, like, were radicalized in that movement as like during that period as well. So I don't necessarily think it's. Um, 
you know, it's not hard for me to imagine that Beyonce is like looking at the same things that I'm looking at in 2013, 2014, and like maybe having a, a more critical eye and that's influencing the kind of music that she's putting out. And I think that's absolutely fair. Like ultimately she's still human and can change. So I get that. But the thing that I'm, that gives me pause is doing things like releasing a list of organizations that you're giving your money to because what it doesn't say to me is that like you also have social capital probably worth more in some ways in terms yes. of protecting change than your monetary capital so that to me lets me know that you understand that you can't really mess with your reputation you can't really be too too controversial um because that will you know essentially get in the way of you making money and um yeah, that's just something that I, I question. And also just, again, the decisions around these things. Because I'm like, for example, what does it mean for her to don the, the outfits of the imagery of the Black Panthers in the Super Bowl when everything's happening with the NFL, Colin Kaepernick's happening at the same time, and then Jay-Z kind of like being in financial, like, Hoots with them without any kind of, I don't know, public recognition of at least the irony of what that looks like. Right? So I don't know. The truth of the matter is, we'll never know because she'll not, she'll never like give an interview like defending this. She's already posted new photos moving on from the Tiffany campaign. But I think. I guess one of the things I hope our listeners at least take away from this is like a more critical eye of like how this idea of chasing being the next black cap, great black capitalist is not a winning solution for anyone in the long term. Because look, Beyonce and Jay-Z are successful, but like today, New Jersey said they're going to cancel unemployment starting September. Like they're not going to continue that, even though so many people are still unemployed for COVID. Um, so many people are about to get evicted because of the Supreme Court moratorium, like the Supreme Court striking that down. So the actual realities of those people that are most affected by policies that happen to them on the ground is still the same. And they can never aspire to ever get even a, like a fraction of what Beyonce and Jay-Z have, um, despite like what they sell us, like in terms of like this Black uplift, this Black respectable and sexual and urban fantasy, like being like, like even just the image, like being like urban, sophisticated, but a billionaire. I don't know, like with the mosque on the back. Like, it's just like the fantasy that they're selling is not something that we could ever have. And I think that's what yeah. I hope our listeners kind of take from this. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I am still thinking through myself is, you know, Tiffany is branding this as a campaign that celebrates modern love. And the campaign I did not know is that. About, about love. And the reason why this is so interesting to me is because, you know, shameless plug, I'm working on a book on uh, polyamory through the lens of Black feminism. And I'm working on a chapter right now about like the history of Black marriage and really just kind of sitting with the respectability politics that have always been at the heart of marriage, particularly for Black Americans in this country. And it's not at all surprising to me that like Jay-Z and Beyonce are doing this campaign to celebrate 
their relationship, which we know has been filled with like non-ethical, oh, non-monogamy, right? And I think that's like just kind of part of the narratives that we have around marriage now of like, oh, somebody's gonna cheat at some point and then you like work through it and it's fine and they have a strong relationship because of that. But I'm thinking about, you know, what it means to look at this as an example of like successful black love within the context of class and how it feels like a lot of successful black love, successful black marriage is so tied to a performance of class. Like, and I think this is a perfect example of this. Um, And to, you know, a self drag. I (laughs) like, it's also not a coincidence to me that I, there's this image of Jay-Z and Beyonce that came out three years ago that I just really, really loved. And I recreated it and it's the cover of my own wedding album. And so I'm sitting there looking at it now and I'm like, did the knee <laughs> But it just proves my point again of like successful black love. I feel like in the United States really like just looks like performing class in a particular way and performing, you know, and some other stuff around like this heteronormativity, but I'm really getting to like the class part of it. Yeah, and I think even when you think of when people act like for successful black love, who do they list? Michelle and Obama, um, Michelle and Barack Obama, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Like nine times out of ten, those are the first two names that will come out of someone's mouth. Or like a black couple that is like survived it and they're still together and that you try to emulate. Um so I think it's like a really interesting, I did not know it was about love, like the Tiffany campaign. I think also I read somewhere and like y'all can like correct me if I'm wrong, that there was going to be some reparations paid to like HBCUs from the Tiffany campaign. I, I, don't, read, something huh? I read something like Okay. Yeah. So I'm not crazy. Like I did read that. So that like, even with that, like, it's like, you're trying to either like one, you either are new about the history and you were trying to get ahead of it by getting money given to HBCUs. It's like, well, yes, reparations need to be paid to Black Americans in this country. But if this diamond is taken from South Africa, from exploiting Black South Africans, what reparations are being paid towards them by Tiffany? Like, like that's my question. Like, how is this going? What are this being done to like support the Black South Africans who aren't getting any money? Yeah, that's specifically. Yeah, because I do think that there's. I mean, I don't have any hard data on this, so I'm just speaking from like you know anecdotal knowledge or tangential knowledge. But obviously, at HBCUs, it's not just Black Americans, and there are a lot of Black people throughout the diaspora that go to HBCUs, and in some ways, they're like diasporic institutions in that way. Exactly. So I kind of could see it, but at the same time, you're right. Like this is a very specific like form of reparations that needs to happen for a particular place. And I feel as if, you know, giving money to HBCUs is not really the way to go for this campaign. Like it just feels very random in yeah. some way. I don't know. It's a mess, child. It's a mess. All of it is a mess. All over. All of it's a um, mess. Just ready for your DM to be lit up by like stray beehives coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And again, like I said, I'm just impressed that people have the time and the energy. Like, 
to and also I just there has to be something psychological. It's like a release for people for you to yes. just be really dragging people that you have no idea you don't know them at all and i could never like i could never like i like shannon will tell you i has argued for days with people on the internet like in my worst days like i don't (laughs) because people really be loud and wrong and whatever they wrap up in their celebrity or their ideology they're gonna fight to the death to argue against you who has read like hundreds of books or you that kind of has like a large, larger knowledge or you can, that can be like critical of this. Like, actually, I might not know all about capitalism and neoliberalism, but I know that if this is a diamond from South Africa that was taken during a time period when black people were being exploited, it's not good for a black person to be wearing it now. Um, who has, especially a black person who has said they're black and proud and proud of Africa. Like those two things don't go together. So if you are upset about this and you listen to it to find a thing to be upset about, go do some reading. Go listen to some like other people who you respect who have kind of critiqued Beyonce. Like uh, Karen Atia in the Washington Post had a long, great article talking about like why it's so problematic that she was wearing this diamond. Um, yeah, because people were like saying like, "What about Lady Gaga? Why didn't y'all criticize her?" And I'm like, "White people are going to do what white people do." Like it's. This is what I was arguing with my sister about. I'm like, you can't argue with Lady Gaga. She's white. Beyonce is black. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a different ballgame. It, it means a diff- It means a different thing, and it's sending a very different message. And it's not just. And again, people think you can't have energy for both. It's like no one should be wearing this diamond. <laughs> like let's start there. Let Let's start there as the as the like obvious yeah. thing, right? But I hate that. It's, it feels so gaslighting, too, when other Black people do that. They're like, keep that energy for white people. And I'm just like, okay, obviously that's there, but we're not talking about that right, right. now. So right. can we just stay on topic, stay on task? Like, I saw someone defending it insofar as, uh, oh, this is a more nuanced discussion because there's only, like, you know, three out of, this, of 70 world billionaires are Black or something. And I was just like, again... I don't understand what point you're trying to make because if all of the world's billionaires were black, it would still mean that most black people don't have money. Like nothing would fundamentally change because in order for a, someone to be a billionaire, like a literal billionaire, they have to acquire the, their wealth by exploiting people. Like, so it doesn't matter what your skin color is. Like you have to just do that to be a billionaire. So it doesn't matter that, and, and yeah, I think there's this false idea of like, oh, we need more black millionaires and black billionaires so that more wealth is in black hands. And I'm just like, I mean, I guess that's technically true, but look, this, there's four sets of hands between Beyonce and Jay-Z. So, all right, we're funneling off more of the world's wealth to these four black hands, okay? Right. And like, I need more people to realize you are closer to being unhoused than you will ever be to being a billionaire. Like we miss like one paycheck and we, or one month of like, we get like in a car accident, God forbid, or some health disaster. We're closer to being evicted in this country, in the world in general, than ever being able to achieve what they have achieved. Um, And whether that's through exploiting like people in Southeast Asia with Ivy Park, whether that's through like predatory, like, I don't know. I'm not going to get into like how they've made their billions because they haven't divulged. But 
the reality is that we do not have as much common with them outside of being black in terms of class interest. And I think, I, I don't know, I just want people to be more critical of that. Like you're not gonna be a billionaire. The likelihood of you being a billionaire is severely reduced. And this is just yeah. a pipe dream that's sold to you to keep you alive. Right. And I'm like, so while you are stressed out, dragging <laughs> people on Twitter, Beyonce don't know who you are. She, she don't care. <laughs> <laughs> she brought like, she don't know, she don't care. She's she moved on. Like I said, she already posted new photos. Mm-hmm. Already posted new photos. It's business as usual. Never gonna be an apology. She ain't apologizing ever again. Yeah. It would just yeah, be nice, but, you know. You know, it would be, but something. And that's that's always the limits of people's politics because I've also noticed some people I follow on social media or on YouTube that you know have pretty solid leftist analysis of most things. Nary a word about Beyonce, and I'm like, oh, okay, your silence is telling. The untouchable. Mm-hmm. The one that should not yeah. in these issues. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you hate to see it. And like, um, Brie Newsom mentioned something, and I guess we could kind of close on like one of this, because I think she was talking about the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt at, during January 6th and how she has a problem with Black Americans specifically that desire to be so much of the U.S. empire at the sake of liberation, of Black liberation. And I think in some ways, thinking about Beyonce, not necessarily as a part of U.S. empire per se, but how this image kind of really like shits on like the Black, like South Africans who were exploited these hundreds of years ago and what like these diamond mines and that meant, like how these diamond mines were operated and how they kind of really exploited Black people in Africa. Like for her as like, and I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, for her as this Black person that made this whole album, specifically Black is King, like this, this whole like movement to talk about how proud of her African heritage she is. Um, it Like looking at it in the hindsight, it's like, well, is that true? Or was it literally like what Shannon said, just to be trendy or was it just an aesthetic? Like, like was this like, a true thing or was it just an aesthetic that move anyways yeah I, I agree so as I guessed we thank you so much for joining us Kiana you, Kiana do you have any recommendations for our listeners me. for any specific thing or just like, no, like anything um, definitely mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> definitely that. Um, like I said, it's the it's the drink. It's been the drink of the summer. Well, we're going back in lockdown, um, basically. Listen, <laughs> I'm not ready. Listen, I'm not ready for it either. I'm not ready for it either. Um, yeah. That, no, go ahead. That's probably it. That mezcal and spicy cocktails has been getting me through the summertime. <laughs> Shannon, do you have anything? Um, I would recommend this uh, restaurant I tried on Saturday. It's called The Office. Sure. And on Route 10. So it's like around where 
think there's like a Marshalls and like a TJ Maxx somewhere around on that area or that strip. Um, and the food is really good. It's like um, like burgers, sandwiches type thing. And um, I had a burger out of there. It was really good. The theme, the office, when you walk in, it doesn't remind you of office. So I kind of looked at the decor and I'm just like the name wasn't matching up for me. But I'm like, okay, fine. But the drinks, I wouldn't recommend the drinks. No. But the food Food was good. Yeah. Um, I will recommend, I forgot the name of the show, but they made a movie for The Witcher about Bessemer. It's an anime movie. (laughs) I like it a lot. Um, like the night, some of the wolf. It's on Netflix. If you got a chance, watch it. I think it's really good and entertaining. And to hold us over till December when season two finally releases. Um, and yeah, watch The Witcher. I liked it. So, but like you watched it recently, right, Kiana? Hmm? You watched The Witcher recently, right? I no, not recently. I watched it when it came out, but I am gonna rewatch it. Wait, so what are you watching recently that the rest of us Castlevania? Were... That's what it is. Castlevania, yeah. Castlevania is awesome though. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And my my toxic problematicness came out where like in the first two episodes or something, I was like, Darian, if anyone burns me at the stake, feel free to commit genocide in my like to vengeance my death <laughs> feel free to do that i want this energy <laughs> he was like he was Listen, that's a down ass man okay he was like y'all come up and i'm gonna kill all of y'all like he was y'all like dying. y'all fucked around and y'all gonna find out now <laughs> he was the only thing holding me back <laughs> like i can't wait to when you finish it it's it's one of my favorite shows yeah well, yeah, I will definitely, I will definitely let you know for sure. Um, yeah. Well, again, Kiana, thank you so much for coming on. We've missed you. Thank you for like, having me. It's a pleasure always. Early this year, what were you saying? No, it's a pleasure always to talk with. with yeah, I know it didn't work out like, earlier this year or last year, pandemic, yeah. whatever, but I'm glad it worked out. Um, and of course, yeah. welcome to come back. So, if you know mm-hmm. any topic that you want to bring on. Let us know, and we are so excited for this book when it comes out. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm. No, your tweets it got me so excited. So, yeah, everybody learned a lot care about it. Yeah, for but sure. Thank everyone for listening to Drinking with Blurds. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we have our blog, drinkwithblurs.com. Thank y'all so much, and we look forward to having you all back next time. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>